Hey everybody, John Carter here with New Vine Records. We're excited to invite you to our annual music festival, Off the Vine, on September 17th at the Treeman State Park in Ithaca, New York. We'll be hosting 13 bands like Leo and the Maydays, Secret Servicemen, Kite String, Meta Sequoia, Ilium Works, Rev Ezra, and we'll close the evening with the Gun Poets. We'd love you to come out and enjoy the music with sound provided by Sound on Sound. Enjoy vendors like Lucky Hair Brewing and South Hill Cider, and of course, take in the beautiful Ithacan scenery. Be sure and go to get your tickets at newvinerecords.com today. By the way, New Vine Records is a not-for-profit music company, building community through the practice of supporting, engaging with, and creating new music with local talent. If you haven't checked us out, please visit us on YouTube, Spotify, Apple, and subscribe to this podcast, as well as discover new artist releases, concert announcements, and more. Another way to support New Vine Records is by visiting newvinerecords.com and simply clicking on the donate button. Every dollar donated will go to artists, their projects, and events. Thanks for listening and enjoy the podcast. Hey everyone, we are back. And this time, for the second episode, we have Emma Underwood right here with us from Spazar. Hey Emma. guys. Yeah. How you doing? I'm great. This has been a fantastic voyage to get here. You are the first guest on this podcast. I'm so, delighted. Yeah. You need to feel honored. I feel so honored. I know I do. So you're here. So tell us, Emma, tell us about your relationship with music. Give us like a summary of your entire life, like right now. My entire life is music right now. Um, yeah, I love music. It's It really is my life if I have to go so be as bold, be so bold. Um, you know, I, I play a lot of music. I play bass in Spazar. Um, I'm working with other bands playing guitar. I have a studio at my house. I record my own stuff. I'm doing solo shows. And it's kind of the culmination of a number of years of trying to figure out what the heck I'm doing. Mm -hmm. And I'm finally, I feel like I'm arriving. I know what the heck I'm doing now. But for me, like music is what I lean into. It's uh, both a social, communal, and kind of spiritual thing for me. It's really Mm. where I feel at home in this world. Well, I know you're into community. Um, you, you shared with me that you used the farm, so maybe share a little bit about how that blended into your music. Yeah. So I farmed with my friends for about 12 years, like eight years, really solid full time. And during that time, a big part of it was we would work all day. And then at the end of the night, we would always play music. So mm-hmm. a number of us were musicians, so we'd have big jam sessions on our porch many times a week definitely on the weekends every week wow yeah that's fun it was and it really it was this balance of having a job that i like to do and being able to fulfill the music part of my life Hmm. so you're not doing that anymore i'm not i uh quote retired from farming retired from farming two years ago never heard of that before Mm-hmm. Not many people do it. Yeah. <laughs> You're one of the successful ones. What can I say? <laughs> I got, got out just in time. Yeah. So maybe you could talk about the band. Uh, so Spazar, um, 
What do you like about Spazar? Oh, what do I like about Spazar? First of all, what is Spazar? What, what is the name? What is where, where did that come from? What's that about? I don't know. No, I'm just kidding. It just happened. <laughs> I mean, sometimes the, the names just pop up and you're like, yeah. that so just sounds good. Let's just do it, that. There was, it was 50% that. The other 50% is it's an Italian word, um, which isn't pronounced spazar. That's just how we uh, hmm. here in the States like to say it, hmm. I guess. I don't know. Maybe we just say it that way. But um, yeah, it means to sweep, but colloquially and used in its common form, it would could mean to annihilate, to decimate, dang, to destroy. It's like a warfare type to word. sweep through. Mm. Yeah. Wow, that's cool. I like that. Yeah, and if you've ever seen them live, it is kind of like that. <laughs> that's what we were going for. Yeah. So the live show just it just like you you pummel the audience and mm. just wipe them away and like with sweet tones and loud drums <laughs> yeah and the drums are kind of the key because uh we have to play so loud because our drummer is so loud he's mm. he's pretty loud he's pretty loud jeff's got a nice big he just got a nice john bonham kit that he the vintage up. lugwood yeah Lug, Ludwig. Ludwig. Yeah, yeah things beastly yeah yeah we're yeah. kind of tone nerds and we've been doing this band for seven years now um, mm-hmm. which is something that I really appreciate. I don't know that I've actually been in any other bands that have persisted consistently with the same lineup for seven years. Hmm. That's pretty pretty rare these days yeah. to have a band that is the original members for so long. Mm-hmm. That is so kudos to that. Yeah, <laughs> it's, so, it's pretty so special. You like yeah. the band, obviously. So what? again, you, you're hitting on some points, but what's the favorite thing about the band for you? The favorite thing about the band is when we're playing live, there's just this amazing connection that comes between us when we're all syncing together Mm -hmm. and when the audience is connecting with it, there's this push and pull. And a lot of like what we do is about that push and pull, even in our playing. Um, And there's these moments when I'm playing that I just go somewhere else entirely. And... I've never fully had that with any other band. So once mm. once I got a taste of that, even early on in Spazar, it was like, this is what I want to be doing. That's mm. awesome. Yeah. Nice. That's great. It's a beautiful thing when you have that. Um, speaking of the live show, how would you describe the live show to me in more detail? Like, example, is there a, a lighting thing that happens? Is there, like, no talking and it's just music? How, how would you describe... How would you describe the live show? Yeah. So every live show, we try to do something different. Mm-hmm. Um, and that is always a challenge for us, but it keeps us on our toes. Typically, we have, we're very loud. We're a very loud band. So bring it's, your bring earplugs. Yeah. We, we pass <laughs> out earplugs. Oh, good. Yeah. Sweeping that's, action. That's so, oh my God, that's so, that's great <laughs> that, that the band passes out earplugs. It's mandatory. I, yeah, I don't know any yeah. I've never heard of a band like oh. b- b- like take these. You, I think they're trying to avoid a lawsuit. To be but something like that. Yeah, it's, uh, <laughs> yeah. I, I can attest. Uh, we've had them here in the studio. The sign a waiver. <laughs> yeah. Like, hey, I mean, you, they you, warned you. us. They gave us fair warning. <laughs> One of our engineers has lost hearing in his right ear completely. Uh, but, you know. What? All for the team. What? Uh, okay. <laughs> right. Had to go there. Oh, uh, man. That took me way too long to catch that one. Yeah. Uh, so, yeah. So, it's loud. Yeah. First and foremost, so it's a it's a physical experience too, mm. um, 
And we try to bring, like, I'm a performer. I bring a lot of energy to a stage. Mm -hmm. And I like to be all over the stage. I like to be in the crowd with people. Um, and I like to get people to come up really close. Because mm -hmm. I want it to be this, I don't want it to just be us on stage and the audience separate. And so a big part of our show is there's a lot of like in-between conversations where typically John and I will interact with the crowd and we'll try to make that connection. Um, I've gotten really good at self-deprecating jokes that make people feel <laughs> yeah. connected. Mm. Um, took a long time. Well, that, that is a skill all unto itself, <laughs> yeah. standing up there on the stage. Because well, otherwise, when you... crowd, it's... Uh, you you got to have the jokes right. And you got to be smooth, very confident when you say them. Oh, yeah. Otherwise, Especially your jokes, right? They're very uncomfortable. <laughs> <laughs> That's good. It's, yeah. it's, it's a good way to get the crowd into it. Like, give them a little bit of uncomfortableness. Just like, mm -hmm. yeah, yeah, you're going to feel this. You're going to feel this right now. So early on when we decided what kind of style we were going to do. We didn't, we didn't play a show for two and a half years, even though as soon as we started writing songs, we were pretty much ready to play. Mm -hmm. But we really wanted to know what our sound was mm -hmm. before we went out and presented anything. Um, and it took like two and a half, two years of, of really experimenting. So now a big part of that was we wanted that discomfort and relief mm -hmm. to be very present in our live shows. And mm -hmm. so there'll be long passages where we play something just a little too long for it to be comfortable. Mm -hmm. And then we'll suck it back and try to connect. There'll be like a vocal part that then we'll bring everybody back in. Um, and so that's built right into the music, but also built into the live sets. We do variations every time we play. Wow. Hmm. Well, you know, you said you were tone nerds, you know. Um, there's some nerdiness going on in the studio. We're all about the nerd. Yeah. Um, so... I, I would agree. I, John has this crazy lineup of amps and heads uh, from Dr. Z. You're all about the bass tone. One of the coolest bass tones I've ever heard. Probably the only other comparison I can draw to was Doug Pinnock's setup from King's X back uh, King's X, from the yeah. day. <laughs> yeah. But he had a cool uh, setup. And I, I was like, man, Emma's got this like killer. She's, you know, it's very intentional what you're doing. So can you talk about the tones of Spazar? I can talk about the tones. Definitely. Is this going to take up the rest of the podcast? We'll cut. We'll keep it uh, time, <laughs> right. timed. Um, right. You know, I didn't know Doug Pinnock's work until you mentioned it. Yeah. So like six, eight months ago, a year ago, yeah. I don't know. Um, and after listening to it, that's exactly what I'm going for is this clean sound and this really distorted sound blended together. Yeah. And so it's taken me the seven years to figure out how to do that. And so now I've kind of settled on a rig that in my mind is just perfect. Every time I play it, I'm like, this is just the best bass tone. Mm -hmm. um, so I always start with a P bass, of course, because that's just the rock and roll bass tone. Um, but I run uh, an old, it's a 69 Sun 200S as my distortion channel. Um, and then I run a GK 700 RB as my clean channel. Mm -hmm. And between those two, it's just, painful it just mm. hurts but it hurts so good it's so good <laughs> they're just it's so john cougar mellencamp once said i kind of like that like mm. it's almost a selling point 
for for the live show, right? It's like <laughs> come experience the pain, the pain that is so good. <laughs> right. You'll love the pain. It's bizarre. Yeah, like that's the tagline. Bizarre. You'll love the pain. <laughs> like, One band. <laughs> What do, much what, pain I, i'm almost you know and john 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 and i've been part of the part of this show is to we're trying to really uncover as is everybody don't be fooled no one really knows what the fuck's going on right now in the music business <laughs> right they, they right. really don't they, no. they they a lot of people pretend they do and they don't yeah. just, just fyi we agree. Uh, <laughs> we agree. so you know this getting getting to like maybe maybe you're like to get a live show going it's a movie trailer in that style right and like maybe bands should just be marketing themselves like fucking feature films (laughs) well i think we can take some cues from the movie uh, movie industry because they have one they actually have an industry you're on to something though i don't know i just i'm like love 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 the pain it's bizarre i might go home and do this and the gas masks on the on the cover art yeah i mean creepy i'd I'm going to that show. I yeah. want to know what the fuck's going on at that oh, yeah. show, right? Like, so, yeah, uh, these, this is fun. It's fun stuff. Uh, well, what about Thank John's you. setup? So, so John's setup. John, John, by the way, is the most unassuming character I've ever met. He's the most punk rock guy. Yeah. But he, not in the way you think. No, he's, he's legitimately cut from the cloth uh, of, you know, classic punk rock. And just his guitar tone is amazing. Go ahead. Yeah, well, just to speak more about John, this is John North. Um, mm-hmm. He plays the guitar in Spazar, um, among other projects. But uh, you'll always find him in a nice, very nice button-up polo shirt. Mm-hmm. Maybe not a polo shirt, button-up mm-hmm. shirt, ready to go to the office, even at the shows. Um, that's what makes him so punk <laughs> No, my favorite John North uh, <laughs> stage costume is a white wife-beater t-shirt, pretty much. Ooh. Yeah, uh, he just that's wears rare. the white shirt. Wow. Yeah, it's uh, but it uh, it works, and he wears khakis. Yeah, khakis and a white shirt. You wouldn't think it would work, but for some reason, it works for this guy. So mm. then he he gets out there, and it is just brutal. Um, mm. So John and I have been in bands together for ten years now. Before Spazar, we were in another band called the Andersons, which was a folk band, which is totally a left turn from what we do. Um, which is how Spazar started. We were playing just kind of as like the sidemen in this folk band. I was playing bass and he was mm-hmm. on guitar and we were like riffing behind the folk music. And uh, they were like, this is cool guys, but uh, not the right style for the band. Mm-hmm. Um, and so we ended up, after that band dissolved, we ended up starting Spazar. And since then, John's been a bit of a tone mentor for me. Mm-hmm. When I had met him, I had no idea. I was like, "Well, he's a teacher by trade." Yeah, he. Mm. Well, he works in. um, Mm -hmm. He works with kids. I mean, uh, I think he's uh, in a position where he's over a lot of kids. So I think that's true. Bosies or something, right? Um, He's a teacher. Uh, He worked with Leo to get her guitar stuff set up and and help Hannah out. So and he's just he likes doing it. Awesome guy. Very very gentle. Um, yeah, so he started teaching me. I mean, I was like into punk rock, right? When we started playing, I had like Mm -hmm. a 112 bass amp and just turned it all the way up and that was my tone. And he was like, this is cool, but there's more to it. Mm -hmm. So he kind of coached me along the way and found that sun for me in a pawn shop in Cortland, actually. Um, but the mean, he did, he was like, you gotta come see this thing. Mm -hmm. And, uh. 
So anyway, he uh, he plays a couple Dr. Z's right now, but that's been a pro- uh, progression. Originally, he played with uh, one Dr. Z, a Maz 18, so an 18-watt um, kind of Fender tone, hybrid tone, um, and he had an orange 8030, so we were getting that like English crunch and getting that clean American tone, mm-hmm. and then he was just mixing it through a million pedals that just do mm-hmm. all sorts of things you know <laughs> oh, those those things yeah yeah <laughs> those they do well we spent a, an entire day uh recording helicopters which we're going to put out this year uh with new vine it's bizarre uh there are partnered artists with us but the one thing <laughs> john's like hey do you mind if i come up like wicked early and spend almost the entire day finding the perfect tone wow and i was like sure so he brings in these uh na old milwaukee's and we're just chugging those all day and uh literally i mean inch by inch row by row we went through and found every possible variation of guitar tone with him and then we're like okay finally we can record but it's like it was a nerd fest it was Mm -hmm. it was a lot of fun i showed up like five hours after y'all started and i was like what'd you record and you're like nothing (laughs) and it's been so good (laughs) you're all real happy oh we had no recording yeah (laughs) but man we're playing with amps but you're having microphones Um, yeah. yeah, so eventually he, he's been upgrading. We kind of got louder and louder and louder and louder and a little bit louder. And so he's been stepping up and he now runs a Dr. Z Remedy and is in the one channel mm-hmm. and a Dr. Z Therapy in the other channel. Mm-hmm. And I don't know if y'all are familiar with those amps, but they're like the nerd amps. So mm-hmm. the Therapy is an American voiced amp with EL34s in it. So it has British tubes and an American voiced amp and vice versa. So it's this really weird nerdy tone thing. Mm, um, this is getting a bit too nerdy for me right now. It's gone. Sure? <laughs> yeah. Oh, he, no, this, I, can, this can go deep. This I, can go super deep. Yeah, no. I, Reel I, it in, guys. I, <laughs> I, admire, I admire the passion about mm-hmm. about the, the deep dive yeah. into gear and everything. We just lost half our audience. But I, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> you gotta, gotta, yeah. gotta steer the ship a little. Sure. And, um, as, and, but it, it, it's actually an interesting point because the, the gear stuff, yeah, you can go deep down that rabbit hole mm-hmm. and you can really get into it and that's i've always had a bit of a point of contention with it because it's like well it's almost it, it can be a means to an end sure and you're just before you know it you're you're three days in and like what are you even listening for anymore mm-hmm. so i sort of to balance it out mm-hmm. you know and say like yeah um it comes down to really the performance of it, it really does. that's kind of the big mm-hmm. part and but that was what I loved about going back to the record. Uh, what, what's the official name? Is it just self-titled? Just self-titled. So Bizarre. going back to Spazar, the self-titled. Oh my! Like uh, what? What I write? Uh, Rolling blackouts was a standout track for me. And you mentioned Emma. You mentioned it was live mm-hmm. that you just got in the studio and you just played, mm-hmm. and you can feel that on the recording. It's raw. It's raw. Mm-hmm. It's got just like the drums are man it just they they crack right through mm-hmm. uh you can tell like there's not a whole ton of compression on the drums at least from what i was hearing that it's just like it's really just he's whacking the shit out of those drums <laughs> yeah, <he is. laughs> and it, oh that's what jeff does and it breathes too yeah. like yeah. there's there's some there's some breathability and and it's not to a like to a click hardcore like i don't know if did you record to a click no, no right yeah it just it breathes um 
Man, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> you don't know what's moving been going on. on behind the scenes uh, at New Moving Island. on. <laughs> Clicks. We could click uh, take tracks. a side channel and maybe get uh, some under underground material we'll come later. Back to okay, that. anyway. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> click, click tracks are a subject uh, around here. Um, yeah, I have. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> I, yeah, I have interesting things with click tracks as well. Yeah. Um, I think everybody has an opinion about click tracks. Sure, sure. It's kind of like politics. I, I just don't like robots telling me what to do all the time. You sure, know? Like, you're a drummer, right? <laughs> sure. yeah. 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 Oh, he's definitely. Yeah, that yeah. makes sense. Yeah, yeah. and I'll, he I'll, drums a little. I'll play on the weekends. I'll play to a click track if if it's necessary, but I, I mm. usually opt for for trying to not have it if um, if it's not. You know, sure. absolutely needed. But, um, anyways, so yeah, yeah. Let's continue on. We, should, I was thinking maybe we'd play play a tune at this point. Yeah, let's 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 listen to one. Um, I've got I've I've got here Cleveland torture, rolling blackouts, or duck and cover. So, which, Emma, which one should we feature first? I think. Um, Wait, if let's let's pick a colored M M&M and M out of out of there and you want to do it? determine by the color. Okay. We're casting lots here. I kind of like that. Yeah, here, I'll put a couple out don't, here. Don't look. Just okay. reach well, I'm out just going to put one. a couple. Well, okay. how do I know where to reach? <laughs> yeah, we're. <laughs> What's this? This, this, <laughs> this is what we do. Orange. Uh, okay, now we got to assign a color to yep. each one. Yeah, this is taking time. You guys are fun. Oh my god! All right, so here's. Okay, you got it in your head. A orange okay. is Cleveland torture. Don't Blue look, is rolling look. blackouts, and green is duck and cover, and then. Mixing them around. I forgot what I assigned the colors to. So, all right, <laughs> Emma, reach and grab. Just pick, reach and grab. Just pick one. There you go. That one. Orange. Okay. I, all right. What was that one? <laughs> Cleveland torch. That's right? what it was. <laughs> yeah. And it was exactly. delicious. Yes. There you go. All right. All so right. this is Cleveland torture by Spazar.
So Emma, tell us about this song. So Cleveland Torture was one of our early songs, as you can maybe tell by the name. Hmm. Doesn't have the uh, most concise name. Yeah. Um, I don't know. We were going for this really brutal sound, and I wanted to write some lyrics that captured that. Um, and this was around the time that there was a lot of stuff going on in Cleveland where mm. this man had kidnapped people and I loosely based the concept off of that just very loosely. Wow. And so then we named it very on the nose. <laughs> like, okay. What's this song about? Cleveland um, torture. But, uh, so as far as the performance goes, it's, it's probably my least favorite song on the album. Um, mm. because I really loved the song, but the way we performed it, we had recorded it. It was on our third day of recording. Um, we did full days in the studio and this was at the very end where like, let's get it in. And it's at a slightly slower tempo than we normally play it live. Mm-hmm. Um, at the key point though, is on all the choruses, I scream it the entire time live. Mm-hmm. It's like blood-curdling death metal screams. Oh, my. And that is not on the album, as you may have noticed. Right, right. We didn't have time for that, and my voice was shot at the end of the day, so we didn't get it, and we only had three days to do the whole album. So that's like one of those things ah, I wish I had done. Yeah. But Mm. I didn't. Okay. And I Mm. can live with it, but... Yeah. It's a lot of this business is Mm. learning to live with... Imperfection. (laughs) Yeah, and... Just the decisions, the choices, it's a lot well, of it's yeah, out of your control. That's the thing I love about albums, though, because um, they're snapshots. It's like a portfolio of that time. Mm-hmm. It's it's an mm-hmm. archive, you know? Um, and it's just, you remember all of those things. When you listen back, uh, it draws up memories and also <laughs> the mistakes. And, wow, I don't do that anymore. Whoa, I wish I still did do that. You know, I forgot I did that. So, yeah. I think that's, yeah, that's kind of the great thing about being in, in a band that, is you know a functional band right mm-hmm. you I, th- I think and that's something that a lot of the longer bands are together and the longer they can stay together they have a lot more going for them because you build up that back catalog mm-hmm. and you build all those experiences and all those stories and this is kind of getting to the whole building value thing that is a running theme for this podcast is that to build value, you got to build memories, you got to build experiences, you got to build that catalog. And if somebody who's never heard of your band finds you and sees that you've been doing this for seven years and you've got all this material and mm-hmm. you've been sharing stories with them, you know, maybe like blogging is such a thing now because people want, they want that whole experience. What is this community? Mm-hmm. What are these guys about? What yep, are they They want doing? the inside track. Yeah. yeah. And I think it used to, it used mm-hmm. to be back before the internet was really what it is today, you had a lot more mystery surrounding bands. I gotta be honest, I kinda like that better. It, it was definitely yeah. a... I like the distance between the people on the stage and and mm. being a patron watching, listening. Cause that mystery kind of, it, it's intriguing. I want I want to know more. Mm. Uh, instead of the whole thing laid out on on social media, it just mm-hmm. feels a little... Uh, I don't know. It's ch- it's changed. I've, I've actually not liked artists after getting to know them. <laughs> like, you know, <laughs> it's like <laughs> that's kind of. Oh, funny. I used to like you. Yeah, you, know? you uh, bastard. Yeah, it's true. It's it's kind of true. Oh, that's very interesting. So, uh, 
just one quick question. So you know how you, you, you do an album and you, you work on it so much and you hear it a million times and, and then you step back, you know, and you, you're very unhappy with certain things. I, that's almost every album I've ever worked on. Mm. And then you hear it six months later and you're like, oh, I actually, st- actually really like that. So was Rolling Black, I'm sorry, um, was Cleveland Torture like that for you? You said you didn't really enjoy the song. Was it still glaring to you? Yeah, it's still glaring it's to still me. Glaring. Yeah. Okay. I mean, really, the yeah. way we do it live, yeah, it's when different. I say I'm screaming blood-curdling screams, yeah. it carries the entire song. So it's almost like it's an entirely different song gotcha. than how we play it ever. Cool. Um, which is fine, right? Like, mm-hmm. when you come to the show, you get surprised. Well, <laughs> switching from Cleveland torture, let's talk a little bit about what music can do to our brains. Uh, it's in mental torture. Oh, my favorite. Yeah. Um, you know, uh, you've shared some stuff with me. Uh, we're, we're friends. We have coffee. We talk. Um, and you've, you're on a journey. You know, I think all of us are in music, uh, in, our, in our minds. You know, it's a, it's a pretty demanding, it's a vice grip. You know, you put yourself out there, you put all this energy into something and you lay awake at night thinking about stuff or it's just consuming. So I was wondering if you could comment on your mental health journey in music. Oh, goody. <laughs> we got yeah, a big segment coming. Here. Now we're, yeah, now yeah. we're in the, the deep, the deep segment. Well, I, you know, I feel like artists, we all, we all think about it. Mm. You know, I, it's not something you put out there when you're hanging in, in the green room. It's like, hey man, you know. You know, it's not like a, a talk session with your therapist or it shouldn't right. be. Um, hey, guys, I've been a little sad today. Yeah, yeah. Right. <laughs> right, right before you hit the stage. You know? I mean, I, I don't share my personal stuff with mm-hmm. anyone unless they're a random person on the street or I know you. So, <laughs> Well, your Facebook name is Emma Vulnerability, so I think it kind of speaks to you. And mm-hmm. my other my band project is Major Depressive Party. There so. you go. Oh, there we go. You wear it on a yeah. sleeve. You wear oh, yeah. it on a sleeve. Yeah. Hey guys, I just want to let you know I've been like really tormented lately so <laughs> you know all that childhood trauma is just um, it hangs with you though it really does yeah. so yeah i mean how, how does that how does music affect you uh, in that way so it's always been an expression for me as a way to deal with it so mm-hmm. i grew up in ohio and music was an escape for me from a lot of things growing up mm-hmm. and so i've always just written about it when i started writing lyrics when i started writing songs it always contained like extreme not extreme but like very deep personal stuff and i think mainly because when i was growing up like kurt cobain songs really contained a lot of that Mm -hmm. and that was a key he was a key songwriter in my mind when i was a teenager that influenced me and so it comes out a lot like So even on Cleveland Torture, we're just talking about like, if you look at it on the nose, it's kind of a song. The imagery is like these real world things, but it's not actually about that, right? There's subtext to it. Mm -hmm. And the subtext is actually on most of these songs are the things that I go through. And I have struggled with bipolar disorder my whole life. and it's the type that gives that comes with like the major depressive disorder. And so I used to go these very long swings of not being able to do anything. Like I would go two, three months and not even be able to get out of bed. Mm-hmm. Um, and fortunately, I've, I've worked through a lot of that and I don't have to deal with that as much anymore. 
Mm-hmm. Um, but what would come with that would be these manic upswings. And this was before I knew I had a diagnosis for bipolar disorder. And so I'd have these manic upswings. So I'd have two or three months of just deep, dark depression. But then I would swing the other way and I would write an album, two albums worth of material in like a month. And I would wow. stay up all night long just writing and recording tapes. Um, hmm. I recently found an old reel-to-reel I did, and it is fantastic. <laughs> cool. <laughs> uh, I wouldn't let anyone listen to it, but ooh. Well, that's interesting, because I was thinking more about how um, music can create mental strain sure. or art in general. But you're, you're actually harnessing uh, that stuff for your art, and that's really amazing. Uh, I'm, I'm sure it's pretty common. I mean, a lot of songwriters tend to be that way i'm exceptional john yeah <laughs> except for yes. you you're the one that stands <laughs> out from the, the pack. One. <laughs> so um yeah but do you go through uh do you feel triggered in any way like when you're releasing something what's that process like for yeah. you do you feel not wanting to be vulnerable do you not want to hear your own stuff because i don't like hearing my own stuff after i put stuff out mm. yeah i mean on that topic like when like being in a band for seven years brings up a lot of personal dynamics and that does weigh on my, my mental health. Um, you know, I have a lot of coping mechanisms now to deal with that, but Mm -hmm. it's, gets stressful, right? Being in a band can be very stressful, Mm -hmm. um, more than it probably should be sometimes. Mm -hmm. Um, but as far as releasing stuff, I've really learned in, in performing, I've really learned to let go of any self-judgment on it. And that's it, good. That's been mm-hmm. a process. It's mm-hmm. not very easy to do. And I have to like think about it before, like be conscious of it when I go into it. Mm. But um, yeah, before a show or before we re- I release something new, hmm. I really have to just accept that what it is is what it is. And it doesn't bear on whether I'm a good person or not. It doesn't affect my self-esteem anymore. Mm in theory Mm -hmm, right well that's like it's too um like why why do you do it right like Mm -hmm. our it runs it runs the gamut you've got bands that for instance for example a band i used to be in was put together by this entrepreneur guy and so Mm -hmm. like the band was run uh like a corporate structure so okay each band member had a separate contract with this entrepreneur it was not the whole band getting picked up as one entity. So that Mm. in and of itself really laid the groundwork for the kind of band it would be and the, how the dynamics would function. So that's, you know, then, then you have the more organic thing where, which is, well, I don't know what's more common. I I feel like the people kind of just getting together and want wanting to make music together might be more common. Sure. And so, yeah. And so that's the more organic approach, right? So you have all these, all these different dynamics and Mm -hmm. that's, yeah, it can be a, it can be a stressor for sure. Socially. I mean, it's, it's like, uh, I've heard it described and I've, I've experienced this. Um, bands are kind of like a awkward marriage, you know, I mean, it's, it's (laughs) with multiple people. It's uh, it's polygamy without the, well, actually, uh, maybe (laughs) some bands do that, but I don't know. Well, you know, Fleetwood Mac and all that. Right. Yeah. Um, I, you know, I, I've, I've struggled socially. Uh, it's, it's been something in my whole life. I mean, I, I have to be very careful about how I perceive things. And, yeah. uh, 
the community and the band aspects uh, tend to trigger those things. Um, and I feel, however, um, I've run into some people in the last couple of years who have helped me kind of calm that down uh, by not taking things so seriously. It's, uh, uh, you know, you gotta, you do take your craft seriously, but um, I think self-perception is a key thing and, mm -hmm. and not being judged so hard on yourself or being judgmental of yourself or even others. Um, I, I find that I like that better because I feel like I'm actually present to hear other people's music. I used to not be able to listen to other people's music. That's how insanely narcissistic I was at the time. You know, it's mm -hmm. like, I get it. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? And, and it's like, oh, I can. Wow, that's good. There's a whole thing here I missed, you know. Well, that brings up a question that I have for you, Emma, about, uh, and to our listeners, mm -hmm. I, I feel like they would be interested to know what are some routines, what are some, um, like structures that the band has in place to ensure that there's productivity? Cause I think that's really important. The systems that you set in place for yourself as a band to allow you to be moving forward. Mm -hmm. So if you would speak on that for a bit. Yeah, totally. And that's something that with Spazar, we've met with a few exceptions every week on a Tuesday for the last six years. And prior to that, we were doing two days a week rehearsing just to figure out what we were doing. And it took a lot of commitment. Um, you know, Jeff and I both have families. Mm -hmm. um, Jeff plays drums. I think we mentioned that. Mm -hmm. Um we both have families and it's taken a lot to commit even just one day a week. We rarely miss a Tuesday night where we are above all else. We are showing up and playing for three hours and we can count on that. And you know, things do come and go and things happen, but it's been consistent. And I think more than anything else, consistently meeting once a week, has done more for us in our friendships, in our band dynamics. Mm. Um, it's let us become very good friends. Like we're much more than mm. a band now. We're very close with one another. How much of that is performing versus talking about next steps and like going over housekeeping? Like how, what would the ratio be, would you say? It is skewed in the wrong direction, in my opinion. Okay, okay. If you're listening, Jeff, if you're listening, John. <laughs> Listen up, guys. Emma's yeah. got something to say. Pay attention. I've been waiting for this moment. Yeah. <laughs> but no, yeah. So I feel set up. <laughs> this is, this is... Actually, Jeff's right around the corner. Yeah, right. There he is. Bring him in. Hey. No, this is, is John this is good to... <laughs> this is good to hear. It's yeah. good. You got to get it out there. Like what... But I'm curious, I'm just curious to know what, what that ratio is like. Yeah. Um, you know, COVID threw things off for everybody. Yeah. Mm -hmm. And so at that point we were just playing. We didn't have any left for the last year and a half. We didn't really have many big picture things going on. It was let's maintain being a band through this so that when we can start doing shows again, mm -hmm. um, we're ready and we'll see who's still standing when we get back. Because before COVID, we were part of a pretty vibrant live music scene um, with Ithaca Underground and doing um, stuff with uh, JT, who's a production company. I can't remember the name of right now. Mm -hmm. But um, so for a long time, we, we were kind of shifting gears from just performing 
and just writing. We spent a lot of time writing over the last year and to figuring out like, what are our next steps? And part of that is working with Nuvine. We have this song we've recorded this summer. We're going to do a video for it. And so that's Mm -hmm. a step. It took a lot of planning to get an agreement on how we were going to do that. Mm -hmm. Um, If I had to say a ratio right now, I'd say 75% of the time we're performing and 25% of the time we are working both on band dynamics as well as band business. Okay. Cool. Yeah. Thanks for sharing that. Cause that could be, that number could, you know, some like 50, 50 is probably really difficult to obtain. Mm-hmm, um, mm-hmm. And some guys just want to play. Mm-hmm. And then other people could say like, yeah, uh, we, we actually like, where are we going? Right. You know? So yeah, we've always had a really good, consensus on where we're going well, like what we're doing and for us it's we're a live band we've always been a live band mm-hmm. um and so that's we decided early on how are we going to do this and so now we're figuring out what the what is it how do we record this stuff and get it to capture what we want to do mm-hmm. and how does that plug in with our live shows and so mm. i think we found a good place it was a lot of discussion as you said um, and I love working with a band that way. Um, that's the thing I think Newvine offers that a lot of other groups don't is we're willing to not push into the band. Uh, we want to find out what makes them work and work with them. Um, and I think that that needed to happen for this. So I agree. Yeah. Yeah. Um, it, it was a lot of work and I think we're all like, we're much better for it as a group getting mm-hmm. through all that. Mm-hmm. And I think working with Nuvine has been, it's just been fun. We've had a lot of fun. We have. All those uh, non-alcoholic Milwaukee vests. Yeah. That's why I give credit to. <laughs> O'Douls. <laughs> yeah. Oh, these are better. You guys. <laughs> these are better. I'm the only one that doesn't drink alcohol, and y'all are insane. Like, I wouldn't touch <laughs> that stuff. Yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm not much of a drinker myself. I, I, have, a, I have a drink here and there, but mm. it's not, not very frequent. I don't suggest Milwaukee uh N-A. The beast. If you, if you do. <laughs> the beast. Oh, come yeah. on. Come on. It's uh, the champagne of N.A. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> so I'd love to hear another song. Mm-hmm. Uh, we listened to we listened to Cleveland Torture. The other two songs I have here, we'll pick one. Rolling Blackouts or Duck and Cover. What do you think, Emma? Which one? Rolling Blackouts. Rolling Sweet. Blackouts. All right. Let's, let's pump it. Let's do it. The Blue Eminem. Yeah. Go by. 
All right. Heck. That was the burly riffage happening. I don't know if y'all caught my bass tone on that one. It's it was my heavy. favorite. It was heavy. So we're going to continue with a question. That's a burning question that I, I like to ask. Um, so where where do you see Spazar going in the next year? I would love to see Spazar um, after we release this single um, in this video. I would love to see us playing a little bit larger venues. Mm -hmm. um, and we've been working really hard at our live show. And now that we're going to be generating some content, um, I think that's our goal is to start playing some bigger shows, maybe catch some opening um, spots with some bigger bands. I personally would love to tour. Um, it's probably not in the cards in the next year for this band, just due to the family's situations. Mm -hmm. um, but I think playing a lot more, and then we want to be recording. We have a whole album ready to record, so... That's, that's exciting. Dope. That's yeah. dope. Yeah. yeah. I mean, I I will listen to that uh, that uh, based on go. based on the the self titled. Mm. Like I I would love to see where where it goes on a second on the next record. This will be the second record. This will be the second. Yeah. It's gonna yeah. be baller. Cool. Yeah, we're excited about yeah. it. So um, I don't know. This is kind of a wrench I'll throw in. Um, what do you think about the landscape out there as far how as how bands are discovered? Um, what's your process for that or thoughts on that? Uh, digital streaming, all that jazz. I took a deep dive yeah. into this <laughs> yeah. last did you, winter. Did you go to school for this? Kind of? Kind of. Uh -huh. Somewhat. Oh, yeah. Somewhat. Okay. I went to school for a lot of things. Mm -hmm. Drop some knowledge on us. Yeah, yeah, let's hear it. So I took a deep dive into this, and, you know, social media is is the key right now to getting people to know you exist. Um and there are, there are strategies that are pretty well known. Um, you know, you used to have to go out to shows, play mm -hmm. a show, and connect with somebody. If you see someone, you're like, oh, there's Joe who books shows. He was in the back. I'm going to go talk to him beforehand. Mm -hmm. um, now with social media, people are doing that through social media. And there are these complex systems for how to game social media and get that attention. And I really jumped into it last winter um, just to see how it worked. Interesting. And it works. I made a lot of contacts um, that way and uh, some cool things opened up because of it. However, it also drove me totally insane. <laughs> like we're talking like really? generating content for every single day of the week Yeah. and developing, it's you know, full-time job. It's a full-time job. Yeah. That's why people get hired, like just to do, just to do it. Like right now, I, every band should. I think I've reached the conclusion that every band should have uh, another member of the band that mm -hmm. does not play in the music in the band, but that does the social media, the media component. You you have to have. Mm -hmm. You just have, you're gonna drive yourself, like you said, you're gonna drive yourself nuts mm -hmm. trying to figure out. Why, oh, like, why is this not updating here? Oh, what, what happened to the mailing list? Oh, like, what happened to this? What happened to that? It's like, mm -hmm. oh, why, why, why is this uh, showing me this message here? Like, all these techie things that, like, you got to have somebody who knows that stuff yeah. because otherwise you're falling behind every day that your feed is not linked properly to this. Right. Or, or you know, every day you're falling behind. 
mm-hmm. everything else. And so you, you, I really recommend that to all our listeners. Like if you're in a band, mm-hmm. find someone you trust who knows how to do this shit. So you don't have to yeah. take away from what you really should be doing, which is honing your craft, writing music, mm-hmm. performing. And so. that's, that's what the role, you know, if we look back 10 years ago, maybe prior to Instagram, the early Facebook stuff, 12 years ago. I don't, I don't know. <laughs> yeah. I don't even know what year 2008 was really Let's go with that. Popping. What year um, is it? <laughs> lost a couple there. Um, <laughs> but that was a manager's role, right? Like right. The manager would mm-hmm. be talking to the promoters, talking to the record labels, yeah. talking with people, connecting people. And that role has, I, you know, in my opinion, I think it's been replaced by this system of social media yeah and man yeah i want to get that was a great idea i'm gonna get somebody to do that it's gonna it'll open up it just opens up your world as Mm -hmm. a a band because now now you can be like now you've got someone you don't have to like it's like oh how do we do this jimmy (laughs) jimmy get on it man go to jimmy because the guy with the crazy fluffy hair yeah someone's got to be like stand there i'm gonna take your picture stand there i'm gonna take your picture yeah yeah that's it's it, and then, then you're not, because you can't. You just, it's hard to do. But it's extremely rare that some that somebody could do mm-hmm. both of those things. No, I agree. It takes a lot of energy, yeah. um, and a lot of nuance. Uh, apparently, my, my bandmates got used to it, but got really tired of me taking their picture every <laughs> single time I saw them. Like, right. like, no, no, stand over there. No, no. <laughs> I'm like, drop a truth bomb. I want to write that down. <laughs> Drop exhausting. a truth bomb. Yeah, it's exhausting. Yeah. Do it on cue. So, right it, in a traditional sense, um, it's still about branding. Yeah, at this point. yeah, yeah. It's, it's, it's all, all pulling about a brand that. together, and it's always been about uh, that. But I, I would say, and we've talked about this. Um, what's most important isn't the millions; it's the hundreds mm-hmm. that we're building, because the hundreds will buy your T-shirt. The hundreds will show up at your show. Um, the millions. They're just, they're fake. They're fake fans. Um, So the true fan is what I think uh, we are endeavoring to try to connect artists to today. Yeah. And ultimately, once live shows are even more prevalent than they are now, that's a key part of that. Mm -hmm. Um, You know, we're doing, Spazar's doing shows again. And it it really, there is still that organic part of it. Mm -hmm. I, after one of our shows, I went, there, there was this whole crowd of teenagers, and I was like, anyone that wants to dance, get up front. Don't mm-hmm. let the dudes just stand in there watching us take up the front. Get up here. Mm-hmm. And they were just going nuts. I miss those shows. They were mm-hmm. going mm-hmm. nuts. And Mid-2000s so, were great for that. Right. All sorts of great shows. And so, yeah. you know, and that's kind of what we're trying to cultivate at mm-hmm. our shows. And so afterwards, I saw them standing there out, outside the venue, and I walked over, and I was like, Hey guys, you know, thanks so much for coming. And they're like, man, you want a cigarette? And I was like, oh, I don't smoke. They're like, then why are you talking to us if you don't want something? <laughs> like literally, why are you talking uh, to us? Yeah, and I was like, yeah. I am genuinely grateful that you came to my show. Yeah. And yeah, they were so surprised. That's big. So do you think it's uh, both live and the, uh, the social media component that we're drawing people into? Because, you know, some people think it's just, no, really got to make that live connection, then draw them to your social or digital platform, or it's the other way around. I don't think the live shows generate the mm-hmm. attention. Yeah. I think you can make, you have to make those personal connections, mm-hmm. 
or you're not like being authentic, right? Then you're just a brand in a sea of a million brands. But if you're just playing live shows and you don't have branding and you don't have social media content, you're not connecting with more people. Mm -hmm. Like who's going to the Kava Bar on Friday night if they don't know that you're playing there? That's the interesting shift that we talk about though, right? The shift from like, like when Sublime, I don't know why I'm thinking of Sublime, but Sublime mm-hmm. was a pretty big deal back in their heyday. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And fans just like, they would go see the show because it was Sublime and it was this like reggae punk sort of thing. And it just, they captured a, a cultural thing right. happening at that time. And But fans, they didn't, they did not need to have that personal connection to this to the singer uh on social media or because mm-hmm. it didn't exist right but it was just like i just want to go here because like i like the people that are at this show it's and I, and I love the music i love the culture i love the vibe and that was enough but mm-hmm. now it's not enough because it's so oversaturated uh it's just it's just an interesting shift yeah. that that i've seen like again to the i go back to the band that i used to be in it was um you know a very uh we we had a niche market a niche audience and it, it we are our, our music resonated with more like conservative minded people in the in the political sense and that way of life we were just like singing you know star spangled banner and stuff like mm. that but we had that built in they didn't need to know personal stuff about each band member they just mm-hmm. knew that they could go and feel like they had a voice mm-hmm. so actually that's that's an interesting question mm-hmm. what what do you think you, what would you say Spazar provides to fans of the band or to people that come to the live show? What are you providing for them? What value are you giving them or what value do you want to give them? So I think what we're providing and our goal of providing is that personal interaction. Um, you know, when both when we're on stage and afterwards, because while, you know, going back to the Sublime reference, yeah, we would go to venues and that was good enough. But afterwards, if they're a touring band and they're not on a major label, they would always be selling CDs out of the back of their car uh-huh, or mm-hmm, off to the right. table at the side of Castaways, you know? And I always was drawn to that. And I just wanted to be like, I loved your set. Can I get a CD? And so I think like that's something I was really, I always strived for. And I think it's true with Jeff and John too, is we want to be in the crowd. I always say when we play, I'm like, come talk to me. Mm -hmm. I want to talk to you. Mm -hmm. I want to know your name. I'm going to forget it, but I want to know your name. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. And I want to hear like, what did you think? Like, really? What did you really think? Did you enjoy it? Um, So you're being proactive in that. And and I want that. Like, I want that interaction with those Mm -hmm. teenagers. I want them to be like, Spazar is fun. This is a fun show. Let's tell our friends, and we're gonna come and make it a bigger, better show. Yeah. And I think in Ithaca, it's tricky because, especially with heavier music, mm. it's there's not that many people here. There's not that many venues, and so unless you're playing an all ages show, you can't even get that crowd. So mm-hmm. they won't know you exist. Right. And so a big part of our our goal has always been to play all ages shows as much as possible right and to like inspire younger artists love that that's awesome so uh we're gonna hit the last song 
Let's do it. Let's and do uh, it. before we do, can you give artists out there any kind of encouragement uh, in their journey? Uh, maybe some advice. Yeah, my advice is no matter whether you're doing it on um, social media or at your shows, um, be real, like be authentic, and don't don't be afraid to be vulnerable because where we really where creativity comes from is that vulnerable place mm -hmm. and we're often too afraid to really show what's going on with us. And so mm. that's my advice. That's be good. real, be vulnerable. That's good stuff. All right. We doing duck and cover duck and cover duck this and my, cover. This is my favorite one on the album. Oh, oh, Best for last. That's good because I, uh, <laughs> I, I kind of, I just picked the ones that, st that stood out to me as so I'm, I'm glad that one of them is, <laughs> It's yeah. one that you, you approve. You got two of the three. I got two of the three. <laughs> of the three. <laughs> All right. So this is Duck and Cover by Bazaar.
Well, that was Duck and Cover. That was amazing. It was awesome. Thank you. Uh, we loved having you here, Emma, and uh, Fish and I are honored. And uh, we are going to be, hopefully, hearing a new album in the next year or two from you. And uh, you're going to be playing around the Ithaca area. You're, you are booking Check It Out's Bazaar on Instagram, Facebook, all the socials. Also, we are going to have a video coming out, and it's going to be kind of a high production value video for the song Helicopters, and we're super stoked about that. we got a cinematographer coming up from the South, and he's going to be working with us for a couple of weeks on that. So with that. Yeah, that's excellent. Uh, be sure to subscribe. Yeah, subscribe. If like, there's a way to do that. There is. You can hit the buttons everywhere. And, uh, you know, <laughs> hit all the uh, buttons. Hit all, just hit all the buttons, you know. Yeah. And uh, be, be sure to... Be sure to check us out, uh, newvinerecords.com, also on Instagram and everything. Uh, we'll be putting this out on all channels. Thanks for listening to the podcast. Uh, one last thing. Yeah. As we did at the end of the last episode, mm-hmm. we, we've we been doing this thing where we like to we like to choose who we're going to have on oh, the yeah. next show, but we want to do it like, like now. Right here. Yeah, we want yeah, to do it at the end them. of each show. Yeah. And we've been we've been working, so far we've, we've been wanting to do New Vine artists mm-hmm. to start. So... Yeah. So, John, you're you're. Uh, this is your <laughs> thing, right. man. Who would you like to see uh, on the show? I gotta, I gotta say, t- let's have Timothy. Timothy from Timothy is Timothy. He's a new up and coming uh, songwriter that's becoming a band. Okay. Uh, he's putting out an EP actually this next two weeks, um, and uh, we just finished up the masters and the mixes on that. Uh, so Timothy used to be in a, in a band out of Elmira. Now he's. Uh, working at the Ithaca Wegmans so he's commuting back and forth and we've been producing this for the last six months so Timothy that's a great choice yeah. he's kind of an enigma and I want to okay. know about him yeah boom he, he's a desert creature <laughs> he's, he's quiet <laughs> you know. cool alright alright sounds great alright Fish Alex, thanks, thanks everybody yeah have a good one